today's Insights Podcast on the Huddle Network. We continue our series on the cities in Atlantic Canada that seem to be having more economic success than others. Uh, we've already done Halifax. Uh, today, we take a look at Charlottetown. Perhaps a bit surprising, David, to many people that we would be focusing on Charlottetown in the island. Uh, it's, uh, it's often dismissed, as you know, as a province by many, uh, but they've done some really uh, interesting things over the last uh, 10 years that warrant some attention. Yeah, it's a very interesting case. It's the only province in Canada that doesn't have a metropolitan area. Uh, Charlottetown is a census agglomeration area. It's fairly small. There's 40-some thousand in the city, and there's 80-some thousand in the in the broader urban center, but we're seeing incredible success. They're leading the country in population growth uh, and in immigration attraction in recent years. That's right. And if you look at only the last four years since the last census, uh, the city of Charlottetown proper uh, grew 10%. 10% over four years is maybe too fast. And I, I in my conversation with uh, the former mayor, Clifford Lee, I asked him whether or not that level of growth was sustainable. And, you know, he answers kind of the way you answer those questions. You know, I'd rather deal with growth problems than non-growth problems. And uh, it's a pretty good answer. Um, we do talk about some of the uh, challenges that are facing faster growing communities like Charlottetown and Moncton and Halifax. And that is the whole supply and demand of housing, uh, which is uh, which is a challenge. Of course, when you grow your population 10% in four years, you can imagine the stress that puts on the housing market. And, um, you know, we, we get a pretty good uh, sense about what's being done in Charlottetown to address that issue. Yes, and, and Charlottetown has done extremely well. But, you know, Stratford has grown almost as fast, uh, Cornwall down the road quite fast as well. So it's really a metro or an urban area growth story with, with Charlottetown at the core and immigration at the core as well. But, I mean, I do think if you look at the numbers for uh, – Inter interprovincial migration. There is quite a negative out migration from Charlottetown. So one of the things you know we're seeing there is that retention is becoming an issue. But they're attracting so many that even if they le- lose twenty or thirty percent, they're still uh, retaining enough immigrants to drive that very high population growth that you talked about. And I asked the former mayor specifically the question about uh, immigrant retention, which has been a problem on the island. Um, uh, it seems to be easing a little bit, uh, David. I think one of the things that's happening in Charlottetown specifically is they're starting to get critical mass within some uh, populations that are coming in from other countries. For instance, the, the Chinese have got a fairly substantial and self-sustaining uh, community in Charlottetown, which means that the likelihood of people staying uh, clearly goes up uh, with that critical mass. He also talked about the Vietnamese uh, community, which I actually wasn't aware of. But, uh, you know, you have to have critical mass to retain uh, immigrant populations. You have to have services that support their uh, their cultures and, uh, and, and, and their experiences. And uh, I think that they're starting to see some of that. Uh, last time I was in Charlottetown, I noticed that there was a fair number of Japanese uh, Chinese oriented businesses so I think that that's a signal of critical mass yeah I would agree with that and of course Prince Edward Island has attracted a larger share of business immigrants than the other provinces as a share of total so there are a lot of business owners now that are foreign born but you had a good conversation with him around some of the growth sectors which I thought was interesting that's right um and we're gonna we're gonna take a closer look at some clusters uh, in in the fall. Uh, one of them being the bioscience uh, cluster that uh, has been really uh, really successful in Prince Edward Island, mainly around Charlottetown, uh, driven by the Bio Alliance of PEI. <clears throat> and uh, last time I talked to their CEO Rory Francis, he told me that. The uh, sector had grown to over 2,000 employees uh, and the revenues that they were bringing in, mostly export revenues, were over 300 uh, million and expected to go to over 3,000 employed and over $500 million of revenue by 2025. And that that sector essentially started in about 2005. So over a period of only about 15 years, 
uh, it's been significant. And when you think about the size of Charlottetown, the population, as you mentioned, uh, is just a little over 40,000. Uh, to have uh, 2,000 jobs almost in, in one sector is really, uh, it's hard to put in perspective uh, to other larger centers, but it's, it's significant, as you know. Yeah, that's right. So there's a very large biosciences cluster in Toronto called the Mars District. But if you adjust it for size, the one in Charlottetown is 10 or 15 times larger than the Mars District in Toronto. So that's absolutely right. The in 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 the perspective to the population size in Charlottetown, what has been done there has been very very impressive, and I'm glad we're going to have him on to discuss that uh, later on. Yeah, because you know the whole idea about uh, choosing sectors uh, to go after is one that is you know a principle of economic development, trying to find where your strengths are, leveraging the educational system in this case, and on the island and the agricultural industry and a bunch of other things have really worked out well. The other thing that may be surprising to um, a lot of our listeners is their success in Charlottetown of building a financial sector, which is really under the radar. But there's a company there, for instance, called Invesco, um, a financial services company that currently has in Charlottetown uh, a little over 400 employees. You know, that's a big employer for that size of city. And so uh, they're being able to attract that uh, that cluster of uh, businesses in that sector. Um, as the mayor points out, uh, it was really done with an incentive program on taxes that seems to have worked out pretty well. And there might be a good uh, lesson for other communities looking to grow uh, their communities. Yeah. And I think as we go through these discussions with communities and industries, I, I hope we're able to dig a little deeper into this topic of using financial incentives. It's very controversial. There are lots of people who do not believe governments should provide financial incentives or subsidies. They're worried that companies will take the money and then, you know, a few years down the road run. But I think we've had a lot of success in certain sectors in Atlantic Canada. And and sometimes these kind of small inducements or subsidies have played a role. So I think as we move forward here, we should be discussing that and having good conversations about whether or not that's an appropriate tool. It's used all over the U.S. and in, across Canada in certain sectors. So can you, should you use taxpayer money to induce companies like Invesco to set up in places like Charlottetown, create 400 high-paying jobs, and, and seed the, the development of a cluster? And I think that's a, a, a question that I think we can try to answer more, f- more fulsomely in this podcast. The one another challenge that people may not recognize that's happening on the island is the labor force. Uh, even with all the immigration and population growth, they're actually running. Um, they're having shortages on some skill uh, on some skilled labor. Um, uh, I looked at the participation rate uh, for the work, working population there. It's the highest in Atlantic Canada. It's sixty five percent, which I it might actually be higher than the Canadian uh, participation rate, which means that. They have a lot more of their people working uh, or available for work than uh, most other provinces in Canada. So they don't actually have a lot of, you know, free available labor around, even though their population is growing. And uh, this is likely to become uh, a common problem for uh, fast growing communities like Charlottetown. Even even with the quick growth of their population, they may still have not enough labor to get uh, to keep their economies growing at the pace that they're currently growing. So that would be something to uh, keep a close eye on going forward. Yeah, it's really about alignment of who you're bringing in relative to your workforce needs. So early on in the process, Prince Edward Island brought in a lot, as I said before, of business immigrants, which weren't really going to solve you know, manufacturing jobs and needs in the tourism industry, right? So in terms of labor market. So I think they're getting better in the last few years of starting with the AIPP and so on, starting to align immigrant attraction to actual workforce demand. And I think that will be very important moving forward. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's, that's a fundamental focus moving forward. And by the way, it hasn't been historically. Uh, historically, you know, immigration into Canada has been on a points-based system and not necessarily aligned with workforce demand, but we're, I think we're getting better at that in the last few years. One other point I'd make about uh, labor force is that uh, PEI historically has had kind of the second highest unemployment rates in the country just behind Newfoundland. I think it was uh, just before the pandemic, they were they were in the low teens, um, maybe 12%. I can't remember the number offhand. 
Today, uh, they're, they're approaching 9%. I believe that they will have the lowest unemployment rate in Atlantic Canada in the next year at the current pace. Uh, in Charlottetown alone, uh, they've, uh, they've added 6,000 jobs in the last 10 years. Doesn't sound like a lot, except, you know, there's only 40,000 people living there. So that kind of growth uh, means that the island's uh, unemployment rate will continue uh, to fall maybe more rapidly uh, than the other Atlantic provinces. So uh, it's really a fantastic story, don't you think? Absolutely. And you have to understand that Prince Edward Island still has a very large or a relatively large seasonal workforce because of fishing and agriculture. So those, even those unemployment rates that you uh, indicated are still somewhat higher, arbitrarily higher because of these seasonal workers. So if you were to take them out, uh, you know, the unemployment rate would be even lower. You had a good com- good uh, uh, chat with him about the, the harborfront development and about the urban core development. And I think that's really yes. a learning for some of these other municipalities in Atlantic Canada because you have to build a, a beautiful, livable city if you want to attract and retain population. Well, that's one of the lessons that places like Charlottetown and Halifax and and Moncton uh, really have to share with other communities. If you don't have a vibrant urban core, one that's being densified with population, one that has become a magnet for not just uh, residents, but people from elsewhere. Uh, And if they have waterfront, of course, taking advantage of waterfront uh, is really important. And I don't know if you've been to Charlottetown uh, recently, but their waterfront is really going to be something. And they just, uh, uh, you know, added to it with their Eastern Gateway project, which uh, uh, goes more towards the um, Hillsborough Bridge area. And so they're going to have a big waterfront and uh, it's uh, going to be a major attraction uh, to that city. And, And honestly, you know, 10 years ago, they, their waterfront really wasn't much to talk about. So a really important if, element of any successful um, economic development for any community of water is uh, how do you take advantage of it? And even even Moncton, where you live, if you look at their plans, they have a waterfront uh, plan to take advantage of the fact that they're on a, on water. Yeah, the muddy river actually has its charms. If you get used to it, it's actually a pretty beautiful River. So I'm, I think our audience is going to benefit very much from your conversation today with the former mayor of Charlottetown. On today's Insight podcast on the Huddle Network, we are continuing our series on successful municipalities and are joined by Clifford Lee, the former four-time mayor of Charlottetown. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Clifford. Thanks, Don. Uh, let's start f- with uh, finding out a little bit more about your background, Um uh, you spent a long time in municipal politics, obviously. Uh, tell us how you ended up in, in politics in the first place and uh, what you are doing now. Uh, my, my entry into politics was really different. Uh, my my uncle served as premier of PEI uh, until 1986. And obviously growing up, I was involved in his uh, election campaigns I really enjoyed politics, as, as they call it, the game here on the island. Uh, in 86, uh, things changed in provincial politics, and I just didn't know how I was going to get my fix <laughs> after that. So uh, a few months after that provincial election, there was a municipal election, and uh, the district that I lived in actually was vacant. The incumbent wasn't reoffering, so I put my name on the... Uh, ballot and 30 years later I walked into City Hall. (laughs) And uh, Clifford, what what are you doing right now? Right now I'm selling real estate with Provincial Realty, which is a locally owned uh, brokerage that's uh, owned locally here in the province. Uh, And I started with them almost a year ago. Right. Good time to be in, uh, in real estate, obviously. Um, as as the mayor of Charlottetown from, I guess it was 2003 to 2018, you presided over perhaps the most significant growth period in the, the city's history. The city of Charlottetown is now clearly a changed city. Indeed, Charlottetown can serve as a model of economic development for other communities across Atlantic Canada. It's one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you today. What were the key factors that contributed to the city's rapid growth over the past decade in particular, Clifford? I, I, I think the key factor is, 
and, and I would suggest it's the same for any community, is to recognize that the municipality, the city struck corporations, have limited uh, skill sets. You need to you need to be able to work with other agencies and uh, within your community. And I think about here in Charlottetown, I think of groups such as Downtown Charlottetown Incorporated, the Chamber of Commerce, the Charlottetown Area Development Corporation, the Charlottetown Harbor Authority, the Airport Authority. You need to be able to work with all of those bodies because, number one, the city couldn't afford to uh, be able to create all of these types of initiatives and to attract people to your province or to your city and so on. So I, I guess the, the biggest thing is the ability to work with other like-minded organizations within the municipality. And during your term as mayor, what key strategies for growth did your council uh, pursue? I think there was a couple of them. One was certainly heritage preservation. I, I used to always say that, you know, Charlottetown can be Charlottetown or we can be just like any other city in the country. And quite honestly, uh, I, I fortunately here in Charlottetown for, you know, many, many councils have always recognized the importance of heritage preservation, the history of our city. It's what makes Charlottetown the unique, unique city that we are. And that, uh, you know, as I said, you know, it wasn't only my, my councils, it was many councils before I arrived on the scene. Uh, sustainability initiatives, uh, certainly, uh, again, it was a matter of finding the right people in the community to, to, to find ways of sustaining the city. Population, immigration, again, you know, PEI's uh, death rate is exceeding our birth rate. And uh, we need to recognize that uh, in order for the city and for the province to to exist, we need to to uh, attract more immigration to to our communities. Uh, event attraction was another big initiative that uh, we took on, uh, and you know, really fortunate. With uh, we had an employee, Wang Long, who worked in our rec department at the time, and we moved him into the city's uh, events development officer position. And he has done a fantastic job in attracting events to our city. And those are the types of people that the city needs to succeed. Um, since the last census, the population of Charlottetown has grown from around 37,000, I believe, to uh, nearly 41,000 currently. That's a nearly 10% growth in only four years. Is that growth rate uh, sustainable? It's a tough question. Is it sustainable? The, the reality is that, uh, and again, I used to always say, if your community is staying still, it's get, it's falling behind because every other community across the country, across the Atlantic region is, is growing. With uh, growth, there are challenges, no question about it. Uh, the cost to operate the city of Charlottetown is no different than the cost to operate our homes. Uh, they continue to grow year after year. Uh, in, in municipal government, the majority of your revenue comes from property taxes. So you can either encourage new development to take place in the city, or you could increase your tax rate. Uh, fortunately, in Charlottetown, we've been able to encourage new development to take place. Uh, and, and that's really what's... I, I think is able to sustain the city long term. Uh, I'd much rather would like to have challenges because of growth as opposed to challenges because of no growth. Yeah, uh, growth is always good. It's a question of managing the growth, I suppose, and making sure that uh, you know some of the issues that arise from growth are dealt with properly. Immigration has been the driver of population growth for PEI and especially Charlottetown over the last 10 years. Um, one of the challenges uh, that the island in the past um, has had is the retention of immigrants. It seems to be improving a little bit, I think, based on recent data, Clifford. But what, what is being done to improve retention rates of immigrants um, in PEI? I, I, I think the uh, what, I, what I had done at one point was I held different uh, summits in the city with uh, Im immigrants to find out what what was what did they find the most challenging thing about staying in Charlottetown? 
what was the most challenging part about being in PPI? And it was a sense of a sense of they needed to feel that they belonged in the city. They were part of the city. So I think a big part of it is community engagement, not only for immigrant immigrants, but for, for all all islanders, all Charlottonians. Uh, if if people don't feel connected to the city, if people don't believe that, you know, their thoughts, their future is important to, to the city corporation, then they're, they're probably going to move on a lot, a lot faster to larger communities. One of the other things that I've, I've always encouraged was to uh, allow the different groups, the different cultures, you know, be the Chinese community, the Vietnamese community, whatever community, encourage them to host events throughout the year to celebrate who they are, to celebrate their culture, and uh, and to involve the larger community. Uh, because contrary to popular belief, the people of Charlottetown are very open, very engaging people. And uh, and we, we'd love to experience uh, new, new activities and new cultures from around the world. And in fact, I think this is this is an important point that uh, in Charlottetown there's there's what I would call critical mass for certain uh, immigrant groups, and especially the Chinese, I believe. And uh, last time I was there, I noticed that there's a lot of uh, even services that are directed at the Chinese community specifically and the broader community, obviously. How important is getting to kind of what I would call critical mass to help the retention rates? Oh, I, I think it's key. I, I, I do believe that, you know, uh, you're right. I think the Chinese community has continued to grow and develop over the years. And I think the fact that it's been growing allows us the ability to retain those immigrants in Charlottetown because there is a larger base and it continues to grow. It allows them to, as I said, you know, to celebrate who they are, their history, their cultures, that type of thing, you know, uh, there's an event that, for example, in the Chinese community, the Chinese New Year's that they host every year in Charlottetown. Uh, it's, you know, and it's, it's all about them feeling connected to, to the community and feeling that, you know, they're wanted here. Because I can remember the day when uh, a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but some new, new people moving to the city would say, we just don't feel that we're welcomed here. We, it's like, you know, not sure if we're liked, if people like us, if they don't like us, if they, you know, don't want to get to know us or don't appreciate our culture, that type of thing. So I, I think it was key to the, the community engagement part. Yeah, I've said for some time that, you know, Atlantic Canadians are generally speaking very welcoming people. But there's a difference, uh, or friendly people, but there's the difference between being friendly and being welcoming. Welcoming is proactive in reaching out and making connections. Friendly is just not, you know, being mean, <laughs> I guess. But uh, <laughs> we're, uh, we need to learn to be um, a little bit more accepting in general. In general. The, the, the island has been notoriously famous for being, I guess, wary of those from off-island. Uh, even other Canadians, uh, given the influx of newcomers, how do you think those attitudes are changing, if at all? I, I do think they're changing, Don, and, and I think they're changing again because we're giving the larger community the opportunity to come together with the different cultures, to celebrate their cultures, to really understand and appreciate you know, a lot of their history, a lot of their cultures, and that these people are an important aspect of our of our community uh you know the very existence of charlatan very existence of pei being continued into the future is based on immigration it has to be if you look at our medical fields you know the number of people from different cultures that are practicing in in medicine the educational institutions around the province and those types of things the business community uh these these people provide you know a essential service to the to the to the city to ensure that the city is able to to exist you know 50 years from now yeah well, i think that i think you're right 
I understand that the city has a master plan for the urban core as part of its strategic directions plan. I think it's called the 500 lot area, which includes the waterfront. Waterfront. Can you tell our listeners the importance of having such a plan? Yeah, I, I think the importance of the 500 lot plan is, number one, it continues to build on heritage preservation. Uh, if you look at the buildings in Charlottetown, there's a lot of buildings in downtown Charlottetown that were here back in the 1800s when, when Charlottetown, even before Charlottetown was a city. Uh, so I, I think the 500 lot plan is recognizing the importance of heritage preservation. And I also think it's, uh, and, and I don't think we've done a good enough job in this area and that is uh, to give access to the waterfront to the to the general population. Uh, I really think that the city should take every opportunity to buy land that's on the waterfront when and if it becomes available. And we shouldn't be encouraging development on 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 the on the waterfront. It needs to become public space. Yeah, I I recently did a. <clears throat> study for the city of St. John, who are in the process of a renaissance, uh, taking a look at uh, economic growth opportunities. I looked at Charlottetown and Moncton and Halifax, and what are the components of a successful economic strategy? It's quite clear that having a, an ur- urban core uh, the master plan is part of that for sure. And taking advantage of the waterfront, um, which has been certainly done in Halifax uh, successfully and is now being done in Charlottetown. And the possibility for the city of St. John, of course, is equally uh, as good in terms of their uptown area and the waterfront. So there seems to be some commonality of having good planning as the basis of start of starting to have uh, good economic development, right? Part of that plan, as I understand it, was to increase the number of people living in the urban core. How successful has the city been in increasing the number of people living in the 500 lot area? I I think we have been quite successful. I I think that we have seen over the last 20 years in downtown Charlottetown, a lot of young professional families coming in, buying older homes, uh, renovating them, bringing them back to their original glory days, as they would say. We've tended to allow new development to take place at a higher scale than, than historically in Charlottetown. And, you know, and, and I know that some people think that, you know, height in buildings is a negative thing for, for a city such as Charlottetown because of her heritage nature and everything else. But at the same time, Don, I don't think you can fake heritage. Don't think you can build something in 2021 and say, isn't that a beautiful heritage building? Because you're faking it. And I, I, I think that uh, it's, a, it's a mix of you know, new development and heritage preservation that, that makes Charlottetown work and allows the, pop to the, uh, the growth to continue in the core area. Yeah. So just for perspective, what is the tallest building being built in the core right now? Uh, I think it's a six-unit building that is being proposed for uh, basically what's right now is a parking lot. And uh, parking lots aren't aren't good for any any community in my view. Uh, they just, uh, you know, there's no tax revenue for the municipality from them. And uh, you need to, you know, in order to allow the city to continue to grow, to allow, you know, the municipality to keep the taxes low, you need new development. And, uh, you know, those are the types of things that uh, you need. Having said that, I don't think you just allow development for the sake of growth. I think you have to be be very uh, picky about development in, in your core area. You have to make sure that it works for what's there. It's not going to detract, but it's going to add add uh, more value. Yeah, so the tallest building would be, what, three or four stories high? Uh, no, I think that, that <laughs> comes to mind. I think the biggest, the tallest one right now is the Delta Hotel on the waterfront, which I think is six stories. Yeah, yeah, so it's... Not very tall. (laughs) Another important aspect of the plan was to focus on the waterfront. 
including the recently completed Eastern Gateway Waterfront Plan um, to, uh, to further uh, develop the Eastern Gateway to the city by the Hillsboro Bridge. There was also a considerable amount of work already completed on the central waterfront between Confederation Landing and Victoria Park. Uh, what will the Eastern Gateway add to the city? I think what the plan will add to the city is f- further access to the waterfront for the residents of, of the community. I think it'll, again, allow, you know, I, I think of, for example, Confederation Landing Park. When I went to city council, it was a tank firm for a Texaco oil company. Uh, and Les Parsons, who was at the time manager of the Charlton Development Corporation, through him and his board, they took on the project of remedi- getting the tank firm off the waterfront, remediating the soil and everything else, and creating that fantastic waterfront park on our waterfront. And uh, the cost of this, at, when the project was done, the land was signed over to the city of Charlottetown for a dollar. And those are the types of projects that you need to have organizations such as the Charlottetown Area Development Corporation the uh, Port Authority, the Airport Authority, those types of things. There's many, many federal, mainly federal programs out there. And if it makes sense or if it doesn't make sense, the reality is that I've been told many times over the years, I like the project, but we can't give money to the city of Charlottetown because if we give a million dollars to the city of Charlottetown, we have to do the same in Halifax or in St. John or in Summerside or another community. And uh, you need to have, a, I guess it's a vehicle to, uh, to access the federal funding. And uh, we've been really successful with that over the years, again, by working with like-minded municipal organizations. For those who haven't been to Charlottetown in the, recently, the, the waterfront is becoming a major attraction to the city. It's really, get, it's really coming along quite nicely, isn't it? Yeah, it is. The waterfront is continuing, you know, the boardwalk system along the waterfront, the uh, the, the recognition that, uh, you know, I think more and more people are enjoying Victoria Park, more and more people are becoming active in the community, be it cycling paths, uh, just walking the boardwalk system. Uh, I, I think uh, a lot more people and year after year, that, that population continues to grow. Certainly, uh, helps, yeah. certainly helps to have more people living in the downtown area, you know, which is yeah. a very walkable area. As you know, it's very easy to get around. It's not very big. Yeah. And so that makes it a very livable, honestly, great livable urban uh, space, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It, it, you know, it, you know, I'll, and as time goes on, more and more people are choosing to live downtown and they don't have a vehicle anymore. And honestly, 20 years ago, that would have been very unheard of to uh, not to have a vehicle in PEI, at least one vehicle in the family. Uh, it's becoming more of the norm, to be honest, with uh, young professionals moving back home or moving into the core area of the city. And everything they want, everything they need, they can access by by uh, biking or by by walking. So uh, it's another bill they don't have. Yeah, exactly. I've been promoting a PEI as an example, a role model for the rest of the region now for quite a while, based on its economic success. I mean, it, it's uh, its economy has grown faster than the rest of the region. In fact, uh, economic growth in PEI has outpaced the Canadian economic growth on average over the last 10 years. And certainly the population growth has been um, leading both the region and, and, um, and growth in the country as well. Uh, in fact, employment in the greater Charlottetown area has been outpacing much of the rest of Atlantic Canada for much of the last 10 years. And uh, it's during that period that the PIs um, led GDP growth um, in the country. Um, what is the basis for economic growth in Charlottetown and the surrounding area? I think the basis for the uh, growth is, again, immigration. You know, people come here, they open their businesses, they hire local people to work for them. It creates new employment, uh, the event attraction industry. 
honestly, uh, 20 years ago, event attraction in Charlottetown was non-existent. Uh, what does event attraction do? You know, when people think of event attraction, they think of a bunch of people coming into Charlottetown for, you know, to play soccer for, for five or six days. The reality is the economic spin-off from that event is it allows the tourism industry to, to be much more active 12 months of the year. So those people that used to work for three or four months at the Delta Hotel, <clears throat> a lot of them are now working 12 months of the year. The restaurant industry, the same thing. You know, it creates a lot of economic activity. That activity creates new sustainable employment. Uh, so it's immigration, it's the uh, event attraction, it's the bioscience industry. Uh, you know, I think of leaders such as, you know, Regis Duffy. You know, Regis uh, served a couple of terms on city council and really, really smart man. And uh, I, I think he was the one of the leaders in the early days of the bioscience industry. And, and that allows more activities to take place. Attraction of a financial service industry. The city of Charlottetown, by working with the downtown Charlottetown organization, downtown Charlottetown Incorporated Business Group, we created a uh, tax incentive program to attract financial services industries to, to our city. Uh, it was a, a gradual tax increase over, you know, I think it was a five-year period where year one, they only paid 20% of their taxes. Year two, it was 40%, 60, 80. In year five, they paid 100% of their taxes and continues on in that way. Uh, but again, it was working with outside agencies to, uh, to travel around Canada uh, to attract these businesses and, you know, industries to, to our city. Yeah, one of the other important elements of successful communities, it seems to me, to have a, an economic development agency with a good strategy, and uh, that's the case for Charlottetown. You have the Charlottetown Area Economic Development Corporation, the CADC, that until only recently was led by my friend Ron Waite. Ron actually uh, told me that one of the important things about uh, Charlton's success was the ability to benchmark and have a visiting process uh, to, uh, to help uh, its success. Can you comment on the work of the CADC and perhaps its key growth strategies? Yeah, I, I think the Charlton Area Development Corporation has probably been the best thing that, that Charlton has ever had going for itself. Uh, a lot of the waterfront Development, redevelopment took place under the, the uh, direction of the Charlottetown Area Development Corporation. Certainly the city of Charlottetown was supportive and needed to be supportive and, and encouraged that type of activity by CADC. And, uh, you know, as I talked earlier about the uh, tank farm on the waterfront, if you walk up Water Street today and you look at all of those heritage buildings that are still standing, Believe me, 30 years ago, they didn't look like what they what they look like now. They were falling down buildings. Uh, CADC stepped in, started buying these type these these uh, buildings, and uh, we used to say CADC is the organization that would take on initiatives and projects that the business community would not take the risk on. Right, and uh, you know, and CADC has been terrific organization and uh, Charlottetown has benefited much because of CADC. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the CADC also had a, a, a population growth strategy as well, did they not? I think so, you know, and, and, I, and I think, you know, the population growth strategy thing was, I, I again, I think it's all a uh, combination of a whole bunch of different things coming together, be it immigration, be it uh, Provide you know, allowing higher density development, that type of thing. Unfortunately, uh, here in PEI, we went through a period where a lot of people were leaving rural PEI and moving into the urban communities. And when I say that, I don't mean simply Charlottetown. I mean Summerside, Charlottetown, Montague, Surrey, the larger centers. And that is because... Uh, 
uh, mom and dad were getting older. They needed to be closer to medical services, that type of thing. And uh, the days of uh, the kids automatically taking over the family farm, they don't exist anymore. Uh, there's a lot of options out there for, for young people to, to, uh, to, uh, to, to follow. And uh, I, I think they've watched mom and dad struggle for years trying to make a living with the family farm. And a lot of them are looking and saying, I don't want that life for myself and my family. And, uh, you know, they're, they're taking other paths. That's, uh, unfortunately, I, I think a really negative thing that's happening to our province. I don't think it's unique to PEI. I think it's happening all across the country in rural areas. But uh, I, I do think that we need to, as a society, look at that and figure out how we're going to, to address it. One of the most important contributions to economic development for Charlottetown, and you've mentioned it, indeed the entire uh, island, has been the development of the bioscience uh, sector, which now accounts for more than 2,000 jobs, I believe, and has an economic value of uh, over $300 million. Uh, the BioAlliance uh, has uh, led this growth. According to its CEO, Rory Francis, the sector is expected to grow to more than 3,000 jobs and revenues of uh, $500 million by 2025. That's really quite extraordinary. How important is, has this sector been to Charlottetown and in, in the area around Charlottetown? I think it's been extremely important to, uh, to the city. Again, it's about the uh, academic culture in our community. It's uh, the importance of recognizing the, the college, the Holland College, UPEI, uh, Bio-Alliance, Bio uh, Rory and his organization have done tremendous work in growing that industry in PEI. And again, Don, I think I, I go back to my one of my original comments in talking, and that was the importance of recognizing that City Hall, City Council doesn't have all the answers. And you need to open your arms and engage the larger community and Rory's organization is really one of those groups that, that you would uh, obviously be very supportive of and uh, and work with them to uh, to achieve the, the goal because uh, the goal is as important to the future of the city as it is to that industry. The thing that I like the most about what the BioAlliance has done is, it, is a, it's a great example of a community, a, a province, looking at a, a, a sector strategy and successfully uh, implementing that strategy over a period of a pretty brief period, actually. I think that the BioAlliance just started in 2005 or something. It's not that it's not been around that long, but the success and the focus has been really quite amazing, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been. It really has been uh, an amazing, really relatively new industry for the province. And uh, it's really grown leaps and bounds over the last number of years. And, uh, and it, and it seems to continue to grow year after year after year. I, I also understand, I might be mistaken on this, but it, it also helps uh, in the retention of immigrants because it provides uh, really good jobs for well-educated people, and uh, it uh, uh, that's very helpful, is it not? Yeah, no question about it. You know, uh, there's, there's a lot of people in, involved with the, uh, the BioAlliance Industries and, and PEI, and... Uh, they come from all cultures. It's not just unique to, uh, or it's not restricted to people who've lived in PEI for the last 60 years or anything like that. It's a, it's a, it, 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 it's another tool that you can use to attract immigrants to your community. Uh, you also mentioned the financial sector <clears throat> led by companies like Invesco, which itself I think has 400 jobs or more. That's been important to the growth of the more than, I understand, 6,000 new jobs in the city, imagine, in the last decade. That's that's amazing. That is by far the fastest, fastest job growth of any community in Atlantic Canada. What what have been the drivers for attracting new companies to Charlottetown? Uh, the, the financial services industry, uh, we actually developed a, a very specific uh, tax incentive program for that industry. We worked with the Charlotte 
or the Downtown Charlton Incorporated. And we traveled across the country to Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, the bigger cities, and met with the, the heads of these, fun, you know, Invesco's of, of the world and said, you know, this is what we can offer you in Charlottetown. Number one, we've got a really sustainable workforce. It's a really safe community to raise families. Uh, we host many events. There's the culture, the life here in Charlottetown. It's not what you might think it think it is. Uh, the reality, Don, as you know, is uh, with technology today, you can be any place and do uh, any, any type of work with the technology. And uh, if, if COVID-19 proved anything to us, it was the ability to work from home. It was the ability to uh, not necessarily to have to be in downtown Toronto to, uh, to work for a company. You know, I know locally here, We've had a lot of people move back to Charlottetown or back to PEI from the larger centers. Uh, and uh, they, they plan to continue, you know, working and end their career from working at home. And that, uh, so I, I, I guess it's, uh, again, it's working with organizations outside the city corporation. It's, uh, you know, in, in the uh, Invesco case, uh, we developed a, uh, different tax incentive programs. We met with uh, uh, the executives of these larger firms and uh, and we had some success. I, I think there's no question that the pandemic has shone a, a, a light on Atlantic Canada in general in terms of the way we managed the uh, virus. It certainly created the opportunity to repatriate people who are originally from here uh, and uh, especially people who are now able to work from home. So, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity for the whole region, I guess, to to leverage that going forward. Um, and cities like Charlottetown offer a lifestyle that's quite different than the large metropolitan areas of Canada, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, as I said, you know, the safety of raising a family, the different... Uh, the quietness of, you know, compared to the larger cities. Uh, and, and I think more and more people these days are recognizing the benefits of, of living in smaller communities of, uh, you know, a quieter pace, I, I think is how you'd put it. So, yeah, I, I, I do think that, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I think COVID has allowed, allowed all of us to refocus on um, what's really important in life. Yeah, no no doubt about that. <clears throat> the rapid growth of the city has led to some challenges on the labor force front with an increasing shortage of skilled la- labor evident because of the pace of growth. What needs to be done to address this issue in your opinion? I think what needs to be done is I, I think the, the all three levels of government need to work closer with the uh, the different industries out there, the uh, the, the skilled trades uh, companies and construction groups, and you know they're crying for help. They can't find enough electricians. They can't find enough plumbers. And uh, we need to create. Uh, we need to make those career choices a lot more attractive than maybe they were twenty years ago. Uh, so I, I, I think it's a matter of governments working with the, with the different industries out there, the different trades group. And, uh, you know, uh, everybody doesn't need to have a master's in business administration. You know, uh, being a plumber, being an electrician, carpenters are really good, worthy paying jobs that, uh, are available right now in our communities. The challenge, I think, for PEI, it already has in Atlantic Canada, I don't know if you knew this or not, the largest uh, participation um, rates in terms of employment in, in the region. I think it's up to 65% of the last time I looked at those numbers, which means the availability to add more workers to the labor force is really quite limited. You've already, you know, attracting a lot of uh, population growth. And yet, despite all that, still starting to have labor shortages. 
So the problem may actually be bigger and there may be a need for even more attraction of newcomers to the island to fill the jobs that are now hard to replace, obviously. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I think this is a problem, by the way, for other parts of Atlantic Canada too. So we're going to go, I've been talking about this for some time, we're going to go from a high uh, unemployment area to a low unemployment area. We're going to go from an oversupply of labor to an undersupply of labor. We're already seeing that happening now, don't aren't we? Yeah, I think I think you're right. In fact, the last numbers that I looked, I mean, PEI traditionally, historically, has been second highest unemployment in the country. I think not that it wasn't that long ago that the unemployment rates were, I think, thirteen percent. This is pre-pandemic in, in, in on the island. Last time I looked, it was closer to nine percent, and at the current rate, I think I I actually think that the PEI will have the lowest unemployment rate in the land of Canada in the not-too-distant future, I think that that's going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think PEI is always being perceived as the poor cousin in the Canadian Federation. Uh, and uh, I, I think a lot of hard work over the years, and uh, I'm certainly not going to sit here and try to take credit for the uh, economic uh, turnaround of, of the city of Charlottetown, because, as I said, you know, uh, to be, to be successful in the game of politics, you need to surround yourself with good, smart people, and I think that was one of the one of the things I tried to do through, through my days at City Hall was to to uh, to reach out to uh, people outside the city corporation, and that's not being negative of staff at the city of Charlottetown. It's just recognizing that uh, other people have thoughts, other people have ideas, and you need to uh, encourage that involvement in the decision-making process. Well, Clifford, I mean, it also takes some municipal leadership, <laughs> obviously, and, and you certainly did that for the city for a long period of time. Uh, not surprisingly, that rapid growth uh, uh, that has happened has had led to other significant challenges, especially with regard to housing. I guess a market that you know more about now since you left the office. The vacancy rate is at an all-time low, as I understand it, in Charlottetown. Rents and housing prices prices have risen rapidly. Availability of affording housing is worsening. I understand you were a special advisor on housing to the province. Can you talk about the housing challenges in Charlottetown and across the island, indeed, and what is being done to address those challenges? I, I, I think, Don, uh a lot of new development is taking place across the province right now on the social housing front. Uh, a lot of the projects that we are seeing become, you know, operational now were projects that uh, I was involved with when I was working with the province on this, on that file. Uh, so it's, it's good to sit back after a couple of years and look back and go, wow, you know, they're cutting the ribbon on that, that, housing development today and uh, that was one of the things that you know we started two years ago or three years ago type of thing so I, I, I do think that uh, you know there's been a lot of private development on the, on the uh, housing market and uh, the, uh, the, 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 the the challenging part right now in my view is you know for young families, to be able to get into the, the housing ownership market. It's uh, it's just unbelievably difficult for young families to get, get their foot in the door. Uh, you know, the province has a uh, housing uh, grant program, I guess it's called, where if you come in and you put up a 25-unit apartment building and that uh, these, built, these units are going to be rent or low low rental properties then the province will give the developer forty five fifty five thousand dollars per unit for for construction and i guess why can we not make that similar type of program available to individuals for home ownership because a lot of times that's what you know people need they, they need the ability to just get in the door they need the ability to, to have their down payments. And I know that we, in, in PEI, we have a, uh, a program. It's a, 
where the uh, 5% down payment that the province will give you that as long as you qualify for a mortgage through through a, a uh, conventional mortgage lender. Uh, and you have, I think it's 10 years to pay that back. But uh, I guess my point is that uh, we can give, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to big companies or private developers to build apartment buildings. Why can't we use that money to uh, to allow islanders the ability to access home ownership? Because I think home ownership is going to be a lot more beneficial to families and to individuals than, you know, renting an apartment for the next 50 years of your life. Well, there's no question that um, communities like Charlottetown and Moncton and Halifax are all under the same pressures of having not enough housing supply for the, the current demand. That's a new thing for most of Atlantic Canada, where we've had, you know, slow population growth, if any, for a long period of time. And, and there is a gap. Uh, between supply and demand for communities like Charlottetown. Do, do you have any idea what the gap is right now in terms of the number of units that are needed uh, in the marketplace in Charlottetown? I, I, I don't, to be honest, Don. And, you know, the market is changing so quickly here, you know, with new development taking place, uh, people moving into the province, people paying, uh, you know, big dollars for homes. The market is just, you know, it's it's all over the map right now and uh it almost changes monthly here but uh i i do think that we are on the social housing front i think we are making headway i do think that uh developer private developers have stepped up and uh you know and certainly uh, they've received quite an incentive from the province to step up uh to me the uh you know, the two things I think is are key for social housing going forward and have been for years is, number one, that the province should own or the province or a crown corporation of the province or federal government should be the actual owner of uh, affordable housing projects as opposed to developers. And that uh, we need to, as governments to find a way to uh, to have home ownership become a reality for people. Because right now there's a big sector of the population that home ownership is simply not in the cards. Finally, Clifford, what does the future hold for Charlottetown in your opinion? I think the future of Charlottetown is bright. I think that we've got a great uh, opportunity to continue to grow our city to, uh, you know, we are still very fortunate that uh, Charlottetown is considered a, uh, a very safe city compared to what's happening in other parts of our country. Uh, I think the infrastructure system, the uh, waterfronts, their active living uh, infrastructure projects, uh, it's, it's all good. And I, I only see our, our, uh, our ability to uh, sustain yourself continuing to get better and better and better. We do need to recognize that, uh, we're all aging, and uh, at some point, people of my age are going to start to uh, actually retire, and we're going to have more demands on the healthcare system in the province. And uh, we need to ensure that as I exit the workforce, there's somebody else entering the workforce, there's somebody else continuing to pay the income taxes and the property taxes. To, uh, to sustain the, uh, the healthcare system, to sustain their educational systems, and, and the list goes on. So, I, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think our population is aging. Yeah, I think our population, not only in PEI or Charlottetown, but certainly across our, the, the, the country is continuing to age. And uh, as we age, we're going to use services more and more and more. The interesting thing is, is that PEI is, with its population growth, has has actually shown a decrease in the medium age of the population as younger people, you know, come to the island. So that's a good that's a good signal, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a great signal, and it's uh it's it's an opportunity for us to uh to we, we need to continue to ensure that it goes down that path in that cycle. To uh, to ensure that uh, the workforce 
is going to continue to grow and that there's going to be people here that are going to be able to step into jobs as they become vacant. Well, uh, I want to thank you, Clifford, for being on our podcast. I mean, uh, I think a lot of people are surprised by the success, the economic success of PEI and Charlottetown. Um, it's one of the reasons we want to focus our attention on it as a role model for other communities across the region, like uh, other successful communities uh, like Halifax and Moncton, obviously. And I want to congratulate you for your service to your community over a long period of time, four terms. That's That must be a record in, in Charlottetown. And uh, thank you very much for being part of the Insights Podcast. Well, Don, thanks for the opportunity to chat. I really enjoyed it. You've been listening to the latest episode of Insights on the Huddle Podcast Network, hosted by Don Mills and David Campbell. Mark Legere and Sharice Letson helped produce this episode. You can subscribe by searching for Huddle Insights on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. And we care about what you think, so please give the show a rating and a review. Don and David will be back again with another episode next week.